Hello, saints and sinners. Good morning on this Sunday morning, guys. So, I have a really powerful podcast for you guys today. Um, so, today is a testimony podcast. Um, I'm going to do nothing but testimony. So, I do want to pray, and I want you all to be encouraged. I want you to be healthy and well. Health, 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 good health. Guys, you know, pray for your health and strength. Without your health, you are nothing. You, you can't do anything. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how much wealth or how much, you know, health is wealth. It, because you need your health. So... I want to encourage you all to read Psalms 91. I think it is the perfect, perfect word for what I'm talking about now. And um, as far as health is concerned. So, please read Psalms 91. Um, I think maybe later today I'll have a Bible study and uh, podcast and so then I will most definitely read Psalms 91. So let me, you know, go ahead and pray, guys. Let's pray because I have some very powerful, very riveting, powerful testimonies for you guys today. So I want you guys to get ready and bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we come into you today. Father, we give thanks to you. We give thanks to you for the food that we have eaten, the roofs over our heads, our jobs, our lives, our health, our strength, just everything. Father, we give thanks to you for you. I mean, we love you, Heavenly Father. We love you. We love you. We love you. Yeshua HaMashiach, our Savior. Father, we just want to thank you you for the love that you give us the unmerciful love the undying love the the grace we, we want to thank you the mercy we want to thank you for it Lord and Father we just ask that these testimonies touch someone's heart or touch someone's life and touch someone to to where they'll understand I believe each and every one of them are divinely um, guided by you, the Holy Spirit, um, for me to play and for us to listen to on this podcast today, Father. And I just pray for health and strength for our families. I pray for guidance. I, I pray for protection from the enemy, Heavenly Father. I pray for our finances, Lord, that you bless them, Heavenly Father. I pray for, for jobs, people in their jobs, Lord, and, and that their jobs will be blessed into them, that they will not be forced out to work. And I just I pray and I ask for forgiveness of our sins. And Father, I just pray and ask that if there's anyone that me or my listeners have has not forgiven. Let us please forgive them, Heavenly Father. Let us please forgive them in Jesus' name. I forgive anyone who has wronged me, anyone who has crossed me. I forgive them in Jesus' mighty, holy name, Father. And I thank you for your love. I thank you in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Okay, guys, so uh, we're going to get ready so that we can hear these testimonies. They're powerful. So I hope you guys are ready. Um, this first one is um, it's on YouTube, and it's on the channel that's called Supernatural Stories. Now, this lady... Um, she found herself in hell, okay? And so, I'm going to play it for you. I want you guys to listen closely. And if there's someone you haven't forgiven, it it will really make you think. If there's someone that you have not forgiven, please search your heart and forgive whoever you haven't forgiven. And that goes for all of us, guys. Okay, so, here we go. Hi there, my name is Lori Ditto, and I would like to talk to you about a vision that I had. And my hope is that as you listen to this vision, that you will never see this place. It was August 28, 2008. In a vision, Jesus took me to hell. I didn't go to hell as a bystander. I went to hell because I would not forgive. You wonder, how did that happen? I've thought about it so many times. How could this have happened? That morning I was getting ready. We had a guest speaker coming. The sound man was sick that day, so I was running sound. I was at the back of the room while we were worshiping. It was a, it was a wonderful song, talking about the souls, how Jesus loves them. I had my eyes closed and all of a sudden I felt heat come into the room. Intense heat. I actually thought an explosion must have happened. I opened my eyes in time to see the front of the room change. Gates were opening and a hand came out of those gates and grabbed the hold of me and pulled me past all the people in the room very quickly. I passed these gates that were at least six feet thick. And then these gates slammed shut. And I was placed in a teardrop-shaped cell. I heard right away, you are in hell eternally unforgiveness I was a believer you guys I would have never thought somebody like me could go to hell I mean I went to church many times a week I prayed, I fasted I'm an evangelist I went out sharing my testimony weekly I disciple people I give my tithe I pray, I pray, I pray and yet I went to hell because I would not forgive. What's it like in hell? It's horrific. The first thing that happened was the heat was so much that my skin began dripping off of my body. It was excruciatingly painful. I looked around at the people who were trapped in other cells. They didn't have any skin. It had already melted off of them, and they were screaming. 
and it hurt my ears to hear them scream. And then I realized I was the one screaming. My eyes were moving back and forth as quickly as they could, and suddenly they broke apart because there is no unity in hell. There were significant pains. I mean, everything was painful, but there was extreme things that caused intense pain. And one of those things was all the water in my body evaporated. And you know, we are a lot of water, but I was no more. It was excruciatingly painful to make that change. I looked down at my left arm and the bone in that arm had this yellow stuff in it. I now know that's bone marrow and it went black. And it, I felt this pain all over my whole body. It hurt like you would not believe. It was excruciatingly painful. Everything hurt. I breathed in fire. I stopped breathing. I only took small breaths in between screaming. Everything, everything hurt. There is no flu that hurts worse than this. There is no car accident that hurts worse than this. And, and I knew this is going to go on forever and ever because hell is eternal. Root Car Insurance makes it easy. You can choose between plans. You can create your own. I could file a claim, make my payments. You can easily customize your coverage so you get exactly what you pay for. So many different things you can do on the app. All you have to do is download the Root app to get started. On the court and in business, it takes a dream, hard work, commitment, and sometimes a little help from the outside. After more than 19 years in the NBA, I experienced all the highs and the lows of the game. The one constant through it all, team. For small business owners working hard and grinding every day to make it, they need the help and support of teammates to be successful as well. For them, there's a new team in town that I'm incredibly proud to be a part of. LegalZoom, the NBA, WNBA, and NBA G League are teaming up to launch Fast Break for Small Business, a program to help grow and sustain small businesses across the U.S. Before the pandemic, black or Hispanic-owned small businesses were twice as likely to be considered at risk by banks compared to non-minority-owned businesses. Women are 33% of business owners with employees and count for only 4% of all small business loans from traditional banks. As the NBA, WNBA, and NBA G League's first partnership with an online business formation services company, LegalZoom is committing $6 million in the form of $10,000 small business grants and LegalZoom services to qualifying small businesses. Visit LegalZoom.com for additional information on Fast Break for Small Business. And the people who are there are eternally in pain. Before I knew it, all these sins had entered 
into my cell. You know, when Jesus saved me, he separated me from sin. Where did he put it? It was in hell waiting for me. I should have never been there. But when I got there, it came back. I, I opened up like the first ones. And the first ones were all about um, sins that had been done against me. They're basically the reason why I was there. Sins I would not forgive. And it's true. It seemed like there were a lot of them. But as soon as I processed those... Then sins that I had done came into the room. There was no comparison. I have sinned so much, and Jesus had set me free from that. If I had only forgiven, I would not have been there. The section of hell that I was in was with my family, my tribe, and there were a lot of people there. And there were a lot of people there like me. They were Christians. They didn't think that they would have ever went to hell either. But they didn't obey. They had done other things. They had done things like not control their anger, been a drunk, had sexual immorality. They were there for different reasons, but they were there. It was unthinkable that I should be in hell burning. I began losing this shape. You see, we're made in the image of God. We're image bearers. But the shape was quickly leaving. And I could see in looking at the other cells of people I could never get to, that I was going to look like them. It was a grotesque, scary-looking sickness I thought it must be something like cancer. And there it was. In hell, eternally. The worst pain that was there when I was in hell was I knew what God the Father was doing. And he took his robe right at his neckline and he tore it I'd never seen that done before it was done the first time and that time what it meant was I'm done with you I can't tell you what it feels like to know God is done with you It was as if my life was over and there was no hope for me. There was no way out. I was going to be in hell eternally, burning, twisting, hurting, and it just kept increasing. There was never going to be an end to this torture, all because I wouldn't obey Jesus. When he ripped that garment, I've never felt anything so bad. Then just as quickly as it happened, I was back. And my life, my life has never been the same.
It took a while to get to a point where I was free from the unforgiveness in my life. And in that time, I only cared about me and making sure that my salvation was right, working out my own salvation with fear and trembling. And once I was sure I don't have that in me anymore, I reached out to my family to help them, my friends. And now I want to help you. Hell is real. People go to hell all the time because they will not trust and love, obey Jesus. It's the most important thing we do every day. And so I want to say to you, if you're not a believer yet, you must come to know Jesus or that place of eternal separation is where you'll go. If you are a believer, I want to say to you, take your salvation serious. There's lists. We must stay out of sin. You must repent. What is repentance? It's four things. One, you have to agree with God that sin is sin. Two, you must feel godly sorrow over your sin. Three, confess your sin one to another so that you can be fervently healed. And four, put something in place. You won't do that again so that you can turn from that sin. It's a warning. Friend to friend. You have time now. Take it very serious because the people who are in hell, they can't get out. God help us stay on a narrow path. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. That is very powerful, guys. Um, I um, I don't, I don't have words for it. Um, I'm gonna tell you it's real. You know, you know, and and many many Christians live a life. Uh, you know, they're saying and they're living for the Lord, as you heard her say. She went to church, fast, prayed, everything, and and it was unforgiveness. And so, guys, I really, really want you to search your heart and anyone that you have not forgiven. Please, please forgive. You know, and um, because it. it it has to be done. If Christ forgives us for all the horrible things that people do and that we've done, all the sins we've committed, who are we not to forgive if he does? So, yeah, please forgive. Search your heart. Search your heart and forgive. So, this next testimony... It's about a homeless um, guy, homeless addict. He died and he met Jesus. So, 
Get your get your listening ears ready, and it's amazing testimony day. Um, oh, morning rather, Sunday morning. So, yeah, here we go, guys. Bitcoin, the best money we've ever had. With a different kind of money comes a different. I didn't feel anything. 
And then I started driving off. And the next thing I knew... and hugged me 
to show me that even in my darkest time, even at the hardest time of my life when I felt the lowest, he was there with me and he loved me. He loved me the same that day as he does right now. And after that, that's when I ended up um, calling calling the, the CEO that was mentoring me and I, I couldn't do this anymore and I ended up leaving the company, going back to Montana where my charges were and being homeless. I, I stopped the job, I just wanted to get clean. And for the next like six, seven, eight months, it was just horrible. It was horrible. I was, I was homeless, I was unable to stop using these drugs and it got to a point where I even got kicked out of the homeless shelter because I was unable to stop. I couldn't pass one UA for probation. I was going into my probation officer every other week asking him to put me in prison for the five-year sentence that was hanging over my head for that, for that charge when they found me in the car. And I was going to two AA or NA or CA or CMA meetings every single day. I was going to Bible study every single Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. I was going to church every Saturday and Sunday trying to stop. But I literally, I couldn't even get like two days together. And at some of the meetings that I went to, you would have to raise your hand if it's your first, second, or third meeting since your last drink or drug. I literally had to raise my hand every single day for months. I was unable to stop. I couldn't do it. I couldn't find the power or, or the, the, the human power that could help me. And it ended up where I, I had tried everything. Like I had tried, I literally even tried going to an MMA gym to do MMA for them to beat sense into me or something, trying to stop using drugs. And it got to a point where um, I was 148 pounds. I'm like 212, 215 right now. And um, I was I was in a car um, before going to this Bible study that I went to every Tuesday. And I was sitting in that car and I, I didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't want to live anymore because I had tried everything to this point, literally everything to this point. And I told God, I, I sat back in the chair. I said... God, I'm done. I'm not going to these meetings. I'm not going to church. I'm not going to these Bible studies. I'm not doing anything anymore, God. Please just let me die. I'm done. Please just let me die. And he whispered to me. And he said, it's time. Go. And I remember getting angry in that moment because I, I knew I had tried everything. I knew there was no hope for me. I knew I was helpless. So I started yelling at him. I said, God, I'm sick of this. Please just let me die. Please just let me die. And I started hitting the roof of the car and hitting the steering wheel and yelling at him. And I'm like arguing with him and yelling because I'm so upset. I know I can't stop. So I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. And I was crying. And, and this is going on for like four or five, six minutes. And, and then uh, he repeats himself through my yelling. I'm yelling and screaming and crying. And he repeats himself in a still small whisper. He says, it's time, go. I remember when he repeated himself, I had this sense of like peace come over me. And I didn't really in that moment, like feel 100% confident yet, but confident enough to take the first step. So I went to that, went to that Bible study at Mazevo Coffee in Billings, Montana. And I remember swinging those doors open, the, the sliding doors open. And they were all in the middle of prayer at the beginning of Bible study. And I interrupted the prayer. I threw my hands up, fell to my knees. And I said, guys, please help me. I can't stop. I used again and I can't stop. Please help me. Please help me. I'm crying and 
<laughs> and my best friend Brendan, who was the who was the Bible study leader, um, he came over and like, he, and you gotta imagine like they've been hearing this for months. I've been going to this Bible study um, every week for months now, and and I can't stop using. And Brendan like calls me down, he pats me on the back, he's like, hey bro, and this is it's so important to have that person that just walks with you no matter where you're at god's always there but there there can be that one person you can be that person for someone that just pats me on the back and says hey bro let's just let's just get through bible study bro it'll be all right and um we get through bible study and afterwards one of the elders uh carmen comes up to me he's like hey bro i just got a word from god i need to pray for you and uh Everybody else had left, um, but he sits me on the on the ottoman in the middle of the of the room. He's standing in front of me like this, and then George, who's another elder, and Brendan are standing behind me over here. And he's like, "All right," and he puts his hand on my shoulder, and he's like, "In Jesus' name, anxiety leave." And he starts speaking to all these different things, and he's like yelling, "Like depression leave." addiction leave and he's like praying verses over me and and saying all these things and in jesus name you leave and like as he's doing this i'm like legitimately feeling like weight just that's the only way to describe it is like this weight starting to come off of my shoulders starting to come out of my chest i'm like feeling this and he's like speaking and speaking and speaking and then he sees this tattoo on my hand which i used to you know look all different places for spirituality and uh, he starts, he says, you know what that is, right? I see you. I see you, spirit of a cult. And he starts grabs me, he starts saying, spirit of a cult. And when he starts that, I, I remember like saying something to him that made him laugh. I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was like whatever I said to make him laugh. And he giggled and he took his hand off me and he giggled and looked over at, at George and Brendan. And I remember looking down. And it was like I wasn't in control of my own body. Like, I, I looked down and my face, like, contorted. I don't know how to, how to explain it better than that, but I, like, came up growling at him, like, like this. And he grabbed me harder, and he starts yelling, Spirit of a cult, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and starts yelling and, like, talking and praying and praying all these different verses over me and stuff. And then um, I remember, like, feeling just, like, these weights coming off of me. And I haven't used a drug or drank since that night. Now, when that happened, I didn't know that that was the last time. I didn't know that for sure that was the last time I was ever going to use. I didn't know that was, you know, that it was over for me. But, but five days later, I hadn't used in five days. And for you out there that are suffering, I know how hard it is to get five days. Um, so it was a miracle that I even got five days. But I went to International House of Pancakes with Brendan. And he was sitting across from me. We were talking, and then um, I got a text message on my phone. I just had this little flip phone, and I opened it up, and it's from my dope dealer. He's like, hey, bro, I just got some new stuff. It's fire. I'll give you a free 20 to try out. And right when I read it, I remember feeling something go in through the top of my head all the way through my body to where it was tingling. My fingers were tingling. My toes were tingling. And I lost my peripheral vision. And all I could see was my phone. And then my thumbs just started texting back. And it was crazy. It was in like King James. It was like, ye shall not text me again. Thou hast texted me for the last time. And it's going crazy. And then at the last, at the last sentence it says, and fear the pain you cause your son because your son has been blessed with the Holy Spirit. And then I feel the spirit leave me. And I like look at it. I'm like, what the heck? Because as I was writing it, I couldn't even read it. And I was like, what the heck? And I read it and it was super weird. And I showed it to Brandon. I was like, dude, that was not me. That was not me. I don't know what that was. He was like, okay. He reads it. 
And then I push send, I close it, and I'm putting it in my pocket, and I'm like, dude, I don't know what that was, and I'm looking down, and then I look back up, and Jesus is sitting across from me. The entire restaurant had completely disappeared. All I could see was his face. There was a glow coming from behind him. He was smiling at me, and in the middle of a sentence, I stopped, knew immediately who it was, immediately what was happening. And I fell with my face to the table and my hand up. I said, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you, God. And I came back up and he was gone. Every spiritual practice I had ever had to that point was completely deleted. I knew whose I was, who I was, and who was calling me to do his work. And the thing is, is that even after that experience, okay, I had work to do in order to recover. Even after meeting Jesus face to face, I was still obsessing about drugs and alcohol. I, I remember like literally like some, during some of the day I would like shake, like needing something in my body because whether it was withdrawals or cravings or obsession or whatever it was at that time, I would like shake. But for me, the work I had to do was the 12 steps. And the only time I would get relief from, from this obsession was when I was actually doing work. My, my sponsor would come pick me up every morning at 6.30 a.m. and he would drive me to this movie theater that he managed. And uh, in the basement, we would do the work. We would sit and we would read together and we would do the work. And on day 25, he came and picked me up. We went up to the rims of Billings, Montana, and I did my fifth step. Purdue University Global. Apply now at purdueglobal.edu. My fifth step is where basically confess everything in your life. You tell them everything, uh, things you've never told anybody before, and you, you release everything. And, and you look for the kind of the reasons why, you, what makes you tick, whether it be fear or resentment or um, depression, all that kind of stuff. And um, it, it didn't feel like a huge deal that day. It didn't feel like anything like miraculously happened that day or anything. But the next morning on day 26, he came and picked me up. 6.30 in the morning in his 1983 mailman jeep. And we were driving to the movie theater and I look over to my right at this beautiful sunrise. And I had a spiritual awakening that for the first time since I was 12 years old, I had no desire to drink or use. And it was like one day I'm thinking this way, when am I gonna use, what am I gonna use, how am I gonna get it to literally a complete opposite direction as if I'm never going to use again. Like a new light just happened. Now, this opened me up to possibilities that anything is possible. So on day 30, and during this time, and I still have journals as I'm journaling, like, dear God, uh, and, and I would do this prompt where I would do dear God, and then three amazing things that could happen today are, and then I would write three things. And on day 30, clean and sober, I'd never had 30 days clean and sober in my life since I was 12 years old. And uh, I'm writing, dear God, uh, it would be amazing if I didn't smoke cigarettes anymore. I want to show people that it's possible to quit uh, drinking, using, and smoking, um, that they'll never have to do it again. And I haven't had a drag of cigarettes since day 30. On day 38, eight days from a pack-a-day smoking habit, um, I hopped on a treadmill and I ran a mile in seven minutes and 18 seconds. Um, and I, and I really attached to the fact that Jesus, like the creator of all this, is now on my side. He was on my side the whole time, but I came to his side. And I, and I, and I 
and a firm believer in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So now that I'm, I'm enlightened with a relationship with Jesus, now what, you know? I'm, I'm working and I'm, I'm going at it, working on my recovery and doing all these things. And then I start getting like this overwhelming sense that I need to help others. Because there's, once you recover from this, like there are people out there suffering that need help, that need to hear a message of hope, that need to know that, they, that there are people that have come from where they are to make, to make something of themselves. So November 6th of 2017 is when it when that Bible study happened. So that's my, my clean and sober date. November 6th of 2019, I published my now best-selling book, From Chains to Saved, One Man's Journey Through the Spiritual Realm of Addiction. And since then, uh, I've had people hit me up from all over the world that, um, that, found, that have found Jesus through it, that have uh, found recovery through it. On, on December 6th of 2019, I went to a conference out in San Diego, California, and I was standing in the back uh, of the conference when someone I had never met, a man that I'd never met, walked up to me with a copy of my book, and he handed it to me, and he said, bro, your book changed my life. I have three weeks clean. Will you sign it for me? And I talked to him just about a week ago, and he's still clean to this day. And when he told me that, it sparked a new, a new uh, idea, and this is from God. Like, our stories, if you're out there and you're suffering, you getting recovered and the story of you recovering will be someone else's only opportunity at getting free from the, the pain and addiction. This, it's so important that we begin to share our stories out loud in our recovery. So now uh, I started Recovered on Purpose with uh, the mission of raising up an army of recovered addicts to tell their stories in powerful and impactful ways that will free others suffering from the bondage of addiction. So now I do a program where I help other people in recovery write and publish their books. Um, and I've had, like, Brittany Priestley published her book. It became a bestseller, and she actually, the DA who charged her um, in, in Missouri for drunk and disorderly actually bought, like, 30 copies of her book and now gives them away to women that are in her state, that are in her, uh, her, where she was at when she was suffering. The DA does that with her book. I've had someone that was in jail, his brother, uh, sent him a copy of my book, and he ended up giving his life to Jesus just from reading my book. And then by the time he left jail, all 36 other people that were in his pod had read my book. And that's... That's the power of storytelling. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. That's why I, I believe that every single one of us should because some people will jive with my story. But there's a lot of people out there that will only be able to be freed by your testimony, by your story. If you're, out, if you're listening to this and you're in recovery, it's so important that we recover out loud, that we, that we talk about what we went through, how we got out of it, and what it's like now to give people hope. And I want to tell you one last part of this. Um, since, since publishing my book, I was actually asked to go speak in Billings, Montana for this, for this large outdoor um, worship night, worship event. And there ended up being like between 1,200 and 1,500 people there. And I was on the rims. It was a super great night. Um, and it was live fed. It was like on TV in Billings and stuff. And um, I spoke and I shared my testimony. And that same thing with, you know, with, my, with my dope dealer. And uh, the next day, that same dope dealer from, from that 
day at IHOP, he messaged me. And uh, I was able to connect him with some people to help him because he reached out for help. And he sent me screenshots of the text messages from that day. And that's the power. We have no idea where our stories can go. But we do know that with God, all things are possible. So if you're out there and if you haven't given your life to Jesus, reach out to him. And if you're hearing in your heart right now that it's time, all you have to do is just say, God, it's time for me. I want to give myself to you. I believe in you. I believe that you came to relieve me, to free me from the bondage of sin. You died and you rose three days later to conquer death and give me eternal life. If you believe that, say amen right now, and you're his. I love you guys so much. I can't wait to connect with you. I'll see you. Wow, dude, what a crazy testimony that was. I am just blown away. If you guys enjoyed this video, which I know you did, make sure you give a like and share it with all of your friends, literally everyone, because everyone needs to hear this story. Also, if you'd like to check out Adam's book, Chains to Saved, there's a link in the description below. Until next time, keep being more and doing more. We love you guys. Peloton bike, you gain thousands of classes available 24 7. Okay, Peloton. All right, guys. Yeah, so that was a very powerful testimony. Um, you know, um, everything he said is important. Like, testimonies are important. You know, you see what happened to him, he put it in the writing. He put it in a book, and now it's helping save many people. So, guys, never think your story is not worth hearing. Um, that is what my book is all about as well, From Hell to Heaven, Guide to Salvation. And I do um, send many of my books off to prisons and just in hopes that it will touch, you know, someone's life. That it will touch them enough to bring them to Christ, to be saved, you know. So if it, you know if, if if it's helped one person do that, I, I accomplished something with the gift and the the love. <laughs> I was trying to think of the right word. And love is what came to me. But with the gift and the love that God gave me to put these things in writing. So, um, this guy, he started his own drug rehab. I mean, isn't it amazing how God can just turn your whole life around? Like, he is so awesome. God is so awesome, guys. He is. So, I'm going to do one more testimony. Because uh, we're almost out of time on this podcast. So, uh, just bear with me, please.
second guys okay be sentenced by the time I hit maybe about 11 to 12 years old I was already getting arrested and by 14 I'm sitting in a juvenile detention center uh, facing at least one year in prison Alexander Pagani grew up on the streets of the Bronx. His parents were involved in the drug culture. And Alexander quickly decided he was on his own. I felt completely rejected and totally embraced that sense of orphan or abandonment. And I just lived for myself. Like, it's just me, and I'm going to do whatever I have to do to survive just me. For Alexander... Survival meant joining a gang. It appealed to me because it was an outlet for me to express total anarchy. His goal was dominance, so he lived life to the extreme. I remember exaggerating that street lifestyle when I didn't have to, um, or feeling like I did have something to prove. So if I was going to be evil, I became very evil. Alexander's extended family tried to reach out and reason with him especially his Christian grandmother. I would tell my grandmother, come on, Ma, don't start with that church stuff. I'll go when I'm ready. By the time Alexander was 16, he was facing hard time for robbery, burglary, and kidnapping. He was transferred to Rikers Island to await sentencing. But as soon as he arrived, he attacked two other inmates. I stabbed them, honestly, for no reason, just to make a statement. He was sent to solitary confinement for nearly a year. The time alone was sober. I'm 17 years old, and I have nothing. And this is where, this is how this ends. I think I was at the lowest that I could be. Alexander's aunt, Vilma, worked at Rikers as a youth counselor. Tell him, listen, you've tried everything else. Why don't you just, why don't you try Jesus? So she began to be my voice of reason because I had no choice but to listen. Here I am. One of the guards at the prison also got Alexander's attention. There was just something about him that really appealed to me. And I said, man, this guy really is, he's really into Jesus. You know, this God thing, he's really into that. I could look right into his eyes and I would see complete peace. I didn't have that. I wanted that. I didn't even know where to start. So I started with the Christian officer. Alexander planned to dispute the charges against him. But when he went to court to be sentenced, something unusual happened. When I walked in, I heard a voice saying, they're going to give you nine years. You are to take it. When I heard that voice, I do remember saying to myself, who's that? Who's speaking to me? And when I look up, um, the courtroom had behind the judge, in God we trust, the word God shot like rays of light came out the word God and came into me like into my mind the judge agreed to lower his sentence from 21 years to 9 if Alexander pled guilty I knew God was talking to me so without even thinking about what was told to me I had pleaded guilty very quickly I said yes I did it and the next thing I know I'm being whisked away 
When he got back to his cell, Alexander wrote a letter to his aunt, explaining what had just happened. I'm telling her how I believe God wants me to change, um, but I'm really having a hard time making that transition. But I know that I need to, and I'm beginning to want to, because I want to go to heaven. When I wrote the word, because Jesus Christ came in my cell, and he speaks to my right ear, follow me. And I lifted my hand, and when I said I accept, it felt like things were breaking off of me. And I felt so peaceful, I fell asleep. When he woke up the next day, he was a changed man. Cigarettes, the pornography, the cursing, everything instantaneously left me. And I lived for Jesus behind prison walls. As Alexander studied the Bible, God became more than just a powerful force he feared. I read Romans chapter 8, where it says we have the spirit of adoption, where we cry, Abba, Father. I clearly remember that day having a problem calling God Father. I realized that um, my relationship with the Lord is based on me loving him, not fearing him. And I began to love him love him to this day just he's he's my father he's everything that i have today alexander is married he's also an author and now serves the same neighborhood he once terrorized alexander's family now attends his church and his aunt vilma is amazed at the change in him nothing's impossible especially when god is in the mix he's a different person he really is he really really is I'm Jonathan Lawson. In my 15 years at Colonial Penn Life Insurance Company, I've helped that. Make the transition, surrender to the Lord, he'll radically change your life. I was so struck by what Alexander said. He said, I was 17 years old and in jail and said, this is where it's, it ends for me. But God said, no. And maybe you feel like you're in a circumstance, you've created something. And this is where it ends for you. And to you also, the Spirit of God says, no, it doesn't end here. It only begins. Alexander wasn't even really looking for God. He was in the judicial system and heard the voice of God speak to him. He wasn't even following Christ, yet God spoke to him and said, this is the way I want you to go. This is how I want you to answer. God literally directing his path. And then Alexander did come to a point where he said, I do want Christ, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how to, quote, transition, he said. And then the voice of Jesus spoke to him with the words many of us have heard, follow me. I don't care whether you've been a Christian five minutes, a week, a year, a decade, or 30 years. The call from Christ remains the same, follow me. He said it to Peter on day one. He said it to Peter three years later, follow me me. And perhaps you're in a situation where you're not even seeking God and you see Alexander's story and you feel something stirring in your heart. Reminds me of Isaiah 65 where the Spirit of God says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. Those who found me were not even seeking. So whether you're seeking God or not, he is seeking you. Scripture points to a God who seeks to rescue us. Sometimes before we even know we need him. And if you're in a situation where you're feeling hopeless, you're feeling like it's over for you, 
The exciting news is today the Holy Spirit of God is calling you into relationship with the Savior for your soul, Jesus Christ. Let's pray now regarding your circumstances, regarding this journey with Jesus the Holy Spirit of God wants you to take. Lord Jesus, I hear you search for me. I hear you seek the lost. Lord God, I call you that today, and I am lost. And I take your hand, I give you my soul, I give you my everything, I give you my circumstances, I give you my sin problem, I give you my mess, and Jesus, I ask you to give me the Holy Spirit of God to help me walk on this journey. Today, because of the work by Jesus on the cross, not through anything I have done, I have not earned it, but because of Jesus' work on the cross, I ask today, Jesus, into my heart and into my soul. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. If you've prayed with me, please give us a call at 800-700-7000. Tell the person on the other end of that line you just prayed a wonderful prayer of salvation. And we'd love to pray with you more and lead you in discipleship. Hello, I'm Gordon Robertson. Thanks for watching the video. Be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the... All right, guys. So, he heard that. He he was one of the big dog gang members. And, uh, yeah, he gave his life to, to Christ. So, I mean, um... Nothing, nothing's impossible, guys. And those are the people that Christ wants, you know. So, okay, guys. Well, I really hope you enjoy the testimony today. And um, I just want to say I love you all. Stay prayed up. Stay safe. And I love you again in Jesus' name. Bye.